Welcome to the Mechanics of Storytelling. In this podcast, we talk with different storytellers across various mediums about how they tell their stories in their chosen mediums, the mechanics, the techniques, and the processes. Hi there, this is Ezra, your host on the podcast. Welcome. Today I'm so excited to have our guest, Jeannie Vapeshka, to talk with us about making documentaries. She's made documentaries in film form, but also through audio form on her podcast. So welcome, Geneva. Thank you so much, Ezra. It's so great to be here. Geneva, <laughs> how are you doing? It's been a crazy few weeks. It has. Um, and thank you for asking that. Thank you for that check-in. Um, I am, in full honesty, I think I've learned to really I've learned to compartmentalize things um, because I feel things on a very high level. I feel everyone's emotions around me. And during this quarantine, um, it's been very heavy. If I don't compartmentalize things, I almost feel emotions at such a high level that I could fall over. I lose my balance. Yeah. With everything that's been happening in the last couple of weeks, I have been, I think, in order for me to not lose it is um, I've just been moving with the daily motions, but I've been feeling like I'm going to, like I'm on the verge of crying all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It is that sort of season. I think not just I guess circumstantially with the world being the way it is and the current events going the way they are. But it is also Lent, I guess. It's a period of like grief, collective grief and reflection and sadness. And I hope that the fact that Easter is around the corner, I I hope that means something. Maybe that there is some hope for us soon. But for the time being, thank you for sharing that because that is very difficult. And I... Like I mentioned before, before our recording got messed up, I we're, we're all still hanging in there and it's very hard. And so making room for those emotions, for those tears has actually been very important. So, so thank you for sharing so honestly. Thank you for creating this supportive space. Ezra, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I think every time I share a little bit about how I'm actually doing, even if it's not great news... I do feel a little better because I feel more heard. And so when I do share like, hey, this, this George Floyd trial stuff or this anti-API hate hate crime trend that's happening across our country, it doesn't feel good. And we're feeling it in very real ways. But to to be heard and to feel like affirmation and to, to hear allyship has been very encouraging. And I hope for better things. And I hope for solidarity. And, and that's actually why I really wanted to talk to you today about, about your documentaries, specifically your women's series, both as a podcast, but also as a video documentary. I was curious about the process. But before we get there, I like to ask my guests, like, how did you become what you are? Like, how did you get into documentaries? How did you get curious about this type of storytelling? What? Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. 
That's a really great question. I really think of like where I am today and how I got here. And how I got here is no question a collection of experiences I have had since birth and how I was brought into this world. And I was, um, so it kind of goes to like my origin story of, I, you know, my mom was a single parent already um, in the seventies, had my older brother. My mom's, uh, my mom is made in Germany, born in Canada and um, had my older brother who's half Italian and then she had, she got pregnant with me and I was very much planned. She wanted a mixed daughter and she wanted me to have green eyes and be tall and slender. And uh, <laughs> I was planned. She met my dad she's like, yes. And my dad is American. He's black American. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think probably from the beginning it was doomed, <laughs> you know, and they broke up before my mom had me. So I came into the world already with a lot of um, having to work with a lot of things that were against me. My grandparents also were not very excited about my birth. Mm. <laughs> um, on my mom's side, they're, you know, they were brought up in, in a, a culture at the time that was very much centered around kind of um, you must look a certain way and act a certain way. You know, they're German. Yes. So I wasn't that perfect Aryan child. And that's kind of oh, yikes. <laughs> definitely not. But yeah, so that's like, that's the world I, on my mom's side, what I came into absolutely came around. I ended up becoming extremely close with my grandfather who passed away when I was 11. Wow. But he fostered and supported me and my creativity and my arts and believed in me and my curiosity that really helped shape me mm -hmm. and the, the community that my mom raised me around you know she she actually lost a lot of friends when they found out that she was having a second child as a single parent in 19 i'm gonna age myself I'm totally <laughs> that, in 1979 and it mm -hmm. was, and that i was half black it was at that time very radical wow and then my mom like all these women in the community that were also activists like my mom kind of you know were like oh i've heard about you and and they ended up becoming this, this goddess community that helped raise me. And because of that, I had access to all these different women, all these different experiences, all these different communities that I got to move in and move out of and see. And it fed my curiosity. And it was almost like a training ground in the sense of hearing stories and asking questions and... And I think that was that definitely created the space for me to be a storyteller. Yes. And I love people. I'm very empathetic. I'm so curious. And if I could, I would do a celebration piece on every single person in the world. That's amazing. I think we're just all so special. And we all have a story and we're all of the same value. I just really want to bring that out in people. Mm -hmm. I imagine that that community... Of, of mothers and activists that raised you that there was a lot of listening and space making because that's something I like sense from you even just talking with you for a few minutes now has that been part of your story yeah I am um, I often reflect on where I am today and who I am because things could have been so different the space the spaces that were held for me the support I was given, 
I was seen, I was adored, I was celebrated, despite all the things that were, you know, worked, were working against me. There was a lot of really phenomenal things that were, you know, that I experienced in my childhood, but there's a lot of really hard and traumatic mm. things. You know, it was hard growing up and we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have money. My mom always found a way. My dad was a heroin addict. He wasn't in my life. Um, I met him though when I was 18 and we were very close. Wow. I also feel very grateful that they made that decision and that he wasn't in my life at that time because it could have been very different. Yeah. I think of like my childhood best friends and their parents, they lived across the street from me and they would bring me every year on their summer holidays. And it was from, my, you know, I grew up in Montreal. They would take me along on their two week summer holidays at the Jersey Shore. Their grandmother had a house in Bayhead, New Jersey. And it was another world. I was this um, ram, like rambunctious tomboy, you know, out of control kid. They would bring me to this like really, you know, beautiful community on the beach. And I got to live this different life that was still, whereas like my everyday life felt chaotic. You know, my mom was kind of going through different things. And probably when I was like 10, 11 or 12, found her footing. Right. And really kind of like stepped into, I think, what is her calling. But I had all these people around supporting my mom and supporting me and creating space for me. And in that, I look at the gifts that they have given me. And it is my duty and it is my honor to bring that to other people. I talked to quite a few people in the creative space at this point, and one thing that strikes me about your story is that there has been so much space for you to explore your emotionality and yourself as a person, which is which is beautiful, especially in the face of difficult circumstances that I imagine you, from what you said, you've had to endure and go through. A lot of people that I've talked to with your poise and presence, I find them really drawn to acting and being on stage. And so I was curious, like, why aren't you on stage? Why aren't you an actor? Why did you choose specifically making documentaries instead and to be behind the camera and to create things from that angle, from that perspective? Wow, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> um, I'm a great observer and I feel like I see people. And in me wanting to be a collaborative storyteller, I want to create a space for them to see themselves and to celebrate themselves. And for me, that is 
more aligned, I think, with my calling and what feels good is bringing out light in other people. I've had light brought out in me by so many other people, and I do love to play. You know, I've taken improv classes. I went to art school in elementary school and some of my high school, and I'm more of a visual artist. I think if it was acting, it would definitely be comedy or like <laughs> high level drama. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nothing in the middle. Yes, nothing in the middle. But I, you know, I've, I've dabbled for, and that's kind of like my, the types I like, I love like ridiculous comedy and drama, you know, like that's kind of like, like what I love watching too. Even just, you know, being here in this moment and getting to be in this space with you, Ezra. I'm, I'm in awe of who you are and I want to know your story and I want to create space for you to show me who you are and tell the world who you are. And for me, that is like, that to me is, is, is I feel my calling and that is filling to, for me is seeing you shine. Yes. Your posture of openness and exploration, I think it does lend itself so well and so perfectly into your craft of making documentaries. But thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I, I do kind of want to, what is it, segue into your work a little bit more. We mentioned Woman, your documentary series. It's both a video documentary series, but it's also a podcast. Could you tell me a little bit more about that, how it came up? Yeah. It, um, so I think it was about 2015, maybe early 2016. I, you know, there were these really great profiles that I kept seeing um, highlighting women and women's stories. And it was a lot of the first this and the first that. And I was definitely intrigued watching these, you know, these, these pieces, but there was something also that felt very, in some ways left me feeling inadequate. Like I had to be a first of something to have my story seen and celebrated. Mm. And I just kept thinking about the messaging and the use of media and messaging to the everyday woman? And is there anything really out there celebrating the extraordinary everyday woman? And there needs to be more. So I decided I wanted to make a series amplifying and sharing the stories of 12 very different women. It was all very intentional from the casting, but also to the people. It was a community that made the series. I can't say like the beginning of the inception of the series came from me, but it expanded and it became what it was because of everybody that was a part of it. I directed the first six pieces, but Samantha Panger, who's uh, did, she actually shot pretty much the whole series, except maybe one. She, I spoke to her, she directed a piece. Brought on my other friend, Kelly Teacher, she directed a couple of pieces. Ushi, who's highlighted in one of the stories that Kelly directed, mm -hmm. felt Ushi would be an amazing director and she'd never directed before. And then she directed the last piece, Shay. It was this really, really incredible um, experience of all of us coming together and sharing our stories in front of and behind the camera and being, and those stories being celebrated and amplified. What I really wanted was I wanted to create a series that created more visibility, that showed the world who we, who we are and the normalcy of like who we all are, the beauty in our differences, 
So I made that series, a video series, then I went ahead and I made that into uh, an audio podcast, which is easy because we had the audio already. I wanted someone to be pulled to someone's story because maybe they felt that that person was similar to them, but then be prompted to watch another video and then another one and another one of somebody who is different than them, but not and see the similarities so that we might realize that we really are so much more similar than we are different and that it could possibly be a form of expansion for whoever, whoever sees it. And that's something that I wanted to bring to the podcast as well. It sounds like you're helping people exercise an expansion of their love, an expansion of the dignity that they see in other people in their lives. And it's not just about being the first or the best. That's exactly it. How can we celebrate ourselves? How can we celebrate others that are in our lives, our neighbors, our friends? Um, How do we take a moment to really listen to someone else's story and digest it and expand and move on and learn another story, digest it and expand? You know, I think like we don't listen to each other anymore. Right. And then did you ultimately segue this work into a podcast because of pandemic, because you can't actually be in person? Was that a practicality that you, you considered as, as you did a podcast or was there different considerations there? I always saw that it would be a really easy transition into a podcast. Also production can be expensive and post-production takes longer. And I thought too, it can reach, you know, kind of as a different experience when you listen to it also video you know we can always we always cast judgment that's how the society has kind of created us to be these people right so if you listen to podcasts first and then watch the video it would be a completely different experience than vice versa so you know with making a podcast it just makes things a lot more simpler and went ahead and made um season one which was again just the audio from the 12 part series video series and then what was really important and very personal for me was expanding the series into season two and it being a series that highlights and celebrates the voices of black women. That's important for me on so many levels. Um, yeah, tell me about that. One thing I realize, and I think it's okay to like recognize your own superpowers, right? You can put them to great use. I see people in that I feel I can create spaces for others to see people. When I was thinking about who do I want the world to see, and to listen to. The priority for me was black women. There um, is such deep-rooted history that needs to be (sighs) examined. We can't hide from it. This was just my little way of telling my fellow sisters in the black community, I see you and I love you and I celebrate you. That is so beautiful, that is so powerful. Wow, that's power.
you sent me a couple clips and I would like to play one of them for our listeners. So the clip we're about to listen to is the first episode of season two in Women. I was honored to get to sit down with Minnie Jean Brown Tricky, who was one of the Little Rock Nine. And it was a completely expansive experience. And this clip that we're going to listen to is her response to when I asked her to share a moment in time when she stepped into her power, beauty, and greatness. That's amazing. And, and to clarify for the listeners who don't know what the Little Rock Nine are, or who the Little Rock Nine are, they are the first black students who were integrated into white schools in the 1950s in America when that desegregation was happening. So, so let's take a listen. Oh, that's making me. I think it was at Central. Ooh, never asked that question before. But it was at Central in the school every day watching people behave so horribly and feeling okay so you know the whole kind of training that you're that subliminal i guess in the united states is black inferiority and white supremacy and the supremacy part left for me on the day watching all these people with their mouths open screaming obscenities and hate and ugliness and that flipped that script really quickly for me Oh, so I'm the one inferior? I don't think so. And when I realized my beauty and my character, and this is making me cry because I never had this question before, was watching them being unable to think. You know, you just think, my God, you're supposed to be the ones who are superior and you don't have the ability or the willingness to think. And I keep hearing people say, well, you know, uh, the history books, this and no, I didn't believe their history then. And I don't believe it now. And I knew that and they knew that. And it was up, just filled me with my value. Just, never asked this question, but that's what happened. Their behavior and their stupidity filled me with my own value and my own beauty, which of course would cause them to hate me so much because that is not what they want from black people. They want black people to feel grateful uh, somehow to, oh, I'm at Central. Oh my God, isn't this great? So that's when I felt, oh, this is, this is amazing. They're trying to break me, but in fact, they're filling me with my own worth. So I, I was expelled from Central for responding to an attack by telling these five girls who hit me on the head with a big, a purse full of combination locks. And I said, leave me alone, white trash. So when I was asked later why I was expelled, I said I was expelled because I was tall, 
beautiful and proud and unlike who they wanted me to be, how they wanted to see myself. You know, they call you words, they spit on you, they do all kinds of disgusting terrorist acts. And the thing that always made me the most upset was when they said, you're ugly. And I was thinking, I am not ugly. But that was the thing that really made, that infuriated me. Never been asked that before and hadn't thought about it. But I think, I think that was it, how I gained so much from that experience, which would drive them nuts if they knew that they had been instrumental in the development of me as a, I don't know even how to describe it, but that might knowledge of my wholeness came from all that hate because they just seemed stupid and that was a good thing to figure out no more white supremacy for me i'll tell you i'm i'm not sure if we should have to figure that out at that age but there were a lot of things that we had to figure out at that age that i i that i as i I think about it now that when I also think about the Little Rock Nine, I would propose that that maybe happened to all of us, that we saw our value in ways that we couldn't have imagined before. And so it's, it's visible in who the nine, or there are now eight of us, it's visible in who we are and how we think and what we do and our sense of our own worth. Ooh. Oh my God, that was uh, that was a big question. Wow. <laughs> I, and I, I want to take a moment just to soak that in again. That wasn't the first listen, but wow. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Every single for me, every single episode of the that I got to record was an opener and transformative. And to start it off with that conversation, the history behind that. And like you were, you had mentioned um, the grace, there's so much trauma in that story and so many other stories. And I, I was very intentional with sharing that clip because despite all the trauma that she had to endure what she shared was also the the development of who her and the other little rock nine are and have become you know i think of my journey and my um, choice of being soft and choice of being open and that being something to do with the harshness of the experiences that i have had and the harshness of being in this society of being in the BIPOC community and our daily being and having to bite our tongue, act a certain way, follow the rules that have been put in place for 400 plus years. What is so freeing to see is there being a massive shift of people saying no more. That's right. 
there was so much power in that moment she she describes so succinctly but really so powerfully when she says i was expelled for being beautiful and i was she was expelled for speaking up for herself and her beauty in the face of such violence both physical verbal and and otherwise most of these stories and and i think many of the stories that move us they deal with personal transformation and this is an example of one of those stories where you can see this beautiful person in a tricky circumstance and as a result they're becoming something and that becoming transforms us but my assumption is that when you doc- like when you document when you are filming a documentary when you are recording a documentary and you're talking to your subjects that's not always on the top of your subject's mind so how do you get them to focus on that transformation how do you how do you interact with them to bring out that story in a way that makes sense that is moving because otherwise it's just a list of facts specifically this happened this happened this happened this happened the end right that's not a story cuz the whole thing for me is curiosity and learning on that moment and if so asking questions but it's always rooted in creating space to really see somebody and for them to know that I'm listening and that I see them that's the way I kind of go about it and I think I because so many people have held such loving spaces for me um I have learned how to how to create a loving and safe space for others I think that that helps whoever you're speaking with and whoever's speaking with you and having an open flow conversation them know that it's respectful and it's safe whatever they want to say they can say if they want to take something back later they can absolutely take absolutely take something back later and that you will handle this gift that they have just given them a glimpse into their life with so much love and respect as it should be given i think all i want to do is just celebrate people always like to leave space and let them know at the beginning of the conversation that um I want them to share anything that comes up you know um 
towards the end of our conversation and we have as long as they would like. And that is important for me because, you know, if you have a conversation sometimes and there's something you were like, oh, I really wish I got to say this. And this kind of paints more of a brighter picture of who I am and what my experience is, or this is like the message I want to share with the world. That is how I approach conversations. They're collaborative. I think like that's why, you know, I'm definitely like a collaborative storyteller. There's so much respect there too. Thank you. Yeah, it's how would I want someone to treat me? What is the space I want created for me to feel nurtured in? How can I create that for somebody else? Wow. I love that, that focus on energy and creating like energy and space for people to feel safe, feel respected, and that it's more of a conversation and not an interrogation. You are not being tortured, in fact. Believe it or not, it's an exchange. That's, that's awesome. You're an amazing person and your work is so captivating, but we do have to end. The final question, the spiritual question for you that I would really like to ask you, believe it or not, it's not original and you might, be, you might recognize it, but I was wondering if you could share the moment that you stepped into your power, your beauty and your greatness. Ezra, you just, you did it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, Wow. Yes, you did. This is so interesting because um, is in asking other people this question and other questions, I've never stopped to really ask myself. These no questions. way. No way. I am going to, I will just share something with you. There's three more episodes of, of season two of women. It's a 12 part season that I have been sitting on. They're recorded. Um, it's been, I think, more of an emotional releasing that has been hard for me of like saying goodbye to season two and celebrating celebrating Black women's voices, but reminding that reminding myself I can do this every day. But the last episode is me, and I had one of the women from the series that I had interviewed. She interviewed me, and that whole process was really difficult for me. So in you asking me this question, it's interesting because I love celebrating everybody else. Mm. I don't think I take enough time to celebrate myself. Yeah. I think it's like many things going to be a lifelong lesson. The moment that sticks out for me, the moment when I realized my beauty, power and greatness was when I finally listened to myself, listened to who I wanted to be, where I wanted to be, and was no longer scared of making the leap towards making that happen. And that was when I was uh, leaving an unhealthy relationship about 11 years ago and made the, the decision to go after my biggest and scariest dream, which was to move to New York City. And I think what I had realized was that I had been dimming my light for years. I had been accommodating others. And this was the moment of me stretching my wings and taking a leap, rewriting my story. That has been one of the most important decisions I've made of my life because that brought me to New York. The day after I moved to New York, I met Emma, 
who is the young girl who I collaborated with and made Unspoken. It's her film. She co-directed it. Her and her family are extremely close to me. I've made so many incredible friends while I've been here. I have built community like I could have never dreamt of. And now that I sit here and I'm talking to you and I'm reflecting back on on this moment, I'm really realizing how much of a gift all of this is. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing your beauty, your power, and your greatness with us. Before we go, could you direct our listeners to maybe where they can connect with you or your work? Um, I have a website. It's genevapeshka.com. You can explore and experience the women's series as well, which is linked on my website. It's womendocuseries.com. And the videos are there. A link to the podcast is there and the workshop. I just really want more people to try the workshop because it's such a nice exercise to do between people and to find commonality, but also there's a question there for you to recognize and celebrate yourself. And I don't think we do enough of that. (laughs) And then you can find me on Instagram and it's um, at G N E V V A. So again, at G N E V A. The beautiful, the powerful, the great Geneva Pashka. Thank you for joining us today. This is so beautiful. Take my love. Will you take my love? All right. So you made it to the end of the episode, which means you are amazing. Thank you. For today's music, I wanted to thank Eric Chow, Mark Trujisevich, and your truly me. I hope you enjoyed our talk today with Geneva Pashka. I really did. I also hope you're staying safe, healthy, and creative out there. Take care. Cause you should know that I love you. As a younger man, I could see you from afar.